Better. And now, for it's your starting lineup <laughs> for the Black Swan Podcast, coming in at five foot four, 165 pounds, <laughs> Hank the Tank Piper. What's going on? And at left guard, the Bruiser, also a loser, <laughs> six foot. Don't say the weight on radio, Jim Matigley! <laughs> and I'm your host, Rob Manson. Now, let's get this thing going. Shut up and sit down. And welcome to the week four edition of the Black Swarm Podcast. I'm Rob Antonell. I'm here with Hank Piper and Jim Matigley. How's it going, fellas? Great. Pretty good. How are you? Awesome. Awesome. Doing good. Doing good. Uh, coming off a big win last week against Warren. Uh, you know, a uh, pretty big win, obviously. Uh, how do you guys feel about it? I mean, you put up 51 points on any team, you have to feel good. But it, they got some stuff they can clean up on defense. Definitely room for improvement, but a good win. Yeah, I can agree with that. You know, obviously putting up that kind of offer, offensive performance, you know, it, it's worth noting. You score 51 points, doesn't matter who you're going against. That's a great showing by the offense. At the same point, you know, most people would say, you know, winning 51 to 21, that, that's a pretty big game. Where, where did you see that we could have more improvement at? I mean, there were a few blown assignments on defense. Uh, like the first touchdown, it was we had a bad run fits with our linebackers, and the safety tried to come up and make a tackle, and he just whiffed on it. And that you give up a 55 yard run, you're obviously not happy about that. Uh, I mean, the rest of it, it was there's still some stuff to clean up. I mean, even the kids, they were saying it after the game that they weren't happy with it. You know, you blow out a team by 30 points, you think you're ecstatic, but. Uh, they were they weren't happy i mean that and it started from up like the leadership on the team not necessarily with the coaches and you you love to see that yeah definitely anytime that you can have any form of leadership from the players you know that has such a strong presence on the team uh you know you can have coaches telling you as much as you want but if the players don't buy in it means nothing and it seems like, you know, the players have really bought into this system. They're working well mm-hmm. together as a team. And you love seeing some of the more experienced players, you know, really set the tone for everybody else. Oh, yeah. And and on that note, it was uh, Coach Mazur, the offensive line coach slash co-OC. He was speaking at the Booster Club meeting on Monday about uh, the, the line. They love to just – we run power so much and – other teams can't stop it, and that sucks the will out of your opponents. And it's at some point in the game, you're gonna see where the opponent just kind of like gives up, like you know, throw their hands up, like what do we do here? And they look for that moment. They can't wait to see it, and they want to see it as soon as possible. And it's not just the line; it's the fullback. He's running downhill, like he wants to hurt kids, not injure them, but you know, make, make them not want to get back up. The he said even the wide receivers uh, when we run power they don't like getting that tag quick screen out wide they want to go downfield and just smack kids and to to like what we talked about last week with Trayvon uh, just you know pancaking kids making big blocks downfield they want to do that yeah I mean that's awesome to hear you know we're such a physical team you know we're so dominant up front 
and we have the players that match that. You know, you want your offensive linemen, you want your fullback to be mean, nasty players sometimes, right? You know, you want them to, you know, physically abuse the other team, hit them so many times that by the time the fourth quarter comes around, you know, you break off a big run just because, you know, they mess up their defensive assignment, they're trying to skip out of a block somehow, you know, you make the other team lose their willpower, and that's when you really put them into the ground. Oh, yeah, and, I mean, you could even see it in, like, the first quarter. I think it was um, it was the second play we ran that they lined up in that 3-3 stack that Glen Oak tried to run on us uh, on week two, and we were like, all right, we're just going to run the same play we ran on Glen Oak, which I, last week I called it, like, inside power. It's more power ISO to where the tackle and the fullback – play side they run it just like iso guard play side and over you run it like power and we just you saw what happened it was like a 50 some yard run they called jameer down at the three and even though he did actually score if you watch the replay in the film he never stepped out of bounds but you could see like the fullback coming downhill uh, right at the running back immediately they're running back playing linebacker you could see that and he just that kid wanted nothing to do with it yeah, I mean, you hit the same kid over and over and over. Eventually, they're going to try to get out of the way. That's just the nature of it. And, you know, your kids have to be tougher than their kids. So mm-hmm. when we run that same play over and over, when we're still running the ball in the fourth quarter in a close game, you know, we're able to break off a big play because of it. You know, and that's just that's just great to hear that we have that mentality on the team. I mean, obviously, it worked pretty well against Warren. And, I mean, that's only something that can help us in the future mm-hmm. as well. And it's not even on the run plays. It's like on the pass plays, too. The, our line's not just concerned about with giving up a sack, which we haven't given up any. They don't want Aiden touched. It was, I think, uh, Mazer said in the Glen Oak game, he got, like, Aiden got kind of, like, you know, grazed at the end of a pass, and you would have thought he got just lit up. The, the, the line was that mad about it. Yeah, I mean, that's awesome. You know, a, a line that takes pride in its work, you know, every team starts up front. So when you can have your offensive line that takes responsibility, takes pride in what they do, you know, it's really going to set you up for success. Like you said, we haven't had a sack all year. Our running game has been amazing so far at this point. So, you know, it all starts up front, up front starts with the kids, starts with the coaches. You know, it's just awesome to see that we, we have that presence on the team this year. And to your point about not giving up any sacks or anything this year, it's like we really haven't given up any pressure either. I think we gave up uh, – I would say there was one play in the St. V game that would come out as a negative on the grade sheet for our line, and Aiden turned that into a nine-yard scramble. So it, we are doing – through three weeks, we're doing pretty good. I mean, this game – or the, the Warren game, we gave up like a some pressure – if you if you want to call it that, but that was more to the linebacker trying to pick up, uh, trying to pick up and pass pro more so than our linemen getting beat. Yeah, I mean we've been doing a great job all year, and you know hopefully that can carry forward for the rest of the season as well. I mean obviously we have a different type of opponent upcoming this week than mm-hmm. the last two weeks. You know you could say Glen Oak and Warren probably two. They weren't two of the better teams we'll play this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, St. V, I'm, I'm still selling high on St. V. You know, I know it was week one. You know, a lot of people are trying to make excuses for them since it was week one. But, I mean, they're a solid team. So, I mean, I don't want to take them lightly. I know Glen Oak, Warren, maybe not the best. But, you know, now we got this team coming in from out of state. 
the all-time winningest team in New Jersey history. You know, I think they've, they've had a couple past state championships recently, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it's a different type of beast they're playing this week. Uh, we'll get more into them in a second, but, you know, you just love the mentality that we have. You know, the idea that we can go out and just physically dominate any other team that we play. You know, just that mindset is going to get you wins in big games. And, yeah, like you said, we'll get to New Jersey in a bit, but uh, just coming back to the Warren game, I know last week I called them a JV team, and that was kind of tongue-in-cheek. They're not bad. They're actually, like, looking at their schedule. They're probably going to have a pretty good rest of the season. I mean, the running back's going to Rutgers. they got a nice-sized line. But I will stand by my JV comment in that their coaches look like JV coaches. The the non-adjustments they were making to our stuff was just unacceptable at a varsity level, in my opinion. I mean, yeah, I, I kind of had almost the same thought going into it. You know, I, I remember Warren in the past. If it's the same coach that, you know, I, I thought I remembered, you know, I, I thought there was a little bit of inexperience there. I, I, I don't think he was originally a football coach. I think he started off as a basketball coach there. I, yeah, he still and, is now. Uh, you know, you, you could notice a few things with their team, not many adjustments. You saw them line up incorrectly a few times, which, mm. you know, every team does. Yeah. You know, every team's going to line up incorrect every now and then. But, you know, I, I just think, you know, they had like 90% of their starters were seniors. And you, you'd expect them to be, you know, a little bit more well-versed in what they were doing. They obviously always have great athletes. Their offensive line was huge. But, you know, it just seems like they haven't been able to put it together in the last couple of years. You know, even going back further than the last couple of years, it's been a yeah. while since, you know, Warren's been able to put the team together to the caliber of, you know, athletes they can usually put together year to year. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, uh, that's definitely something to look forward to in the future. You know, I'm sure we'll have a, a lot of great matchups in the next couple of years as well. But, uh, I mean, it, it's still good. You face a different type of team. They're different than what Glen Oak was. And, I mean, this week it's going to be different than what we played at all so far. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's definitely great to see different looks, different types of players. At the end of the day, it's still high school. Not every team's going to be great. Not every team's going to be bad, whatever it may be. And, uh, you know, just taking out a win, executing your plays every time, it's, it's, it's just big, if nothing else, to prepare you for the future. Yeah. Uh, and to a couple points in the game I wanted to look at, they Warren came out and kind of, like, tried to run – try to spread us out a little more than they had shown on film going to the trips to the field a lot more than they usually had uh, I know on their first drive when they uh, the kid had one I think he had like a 10 11 yard carry and then he had the big 55 yard run that broke out we came out in like a four-man front which isn't the greatest to defend an inside zone team from the spread you're the way we line up, we leave the play side B gap uncovered, and that's exactly the gap that the kids want to hit. I mean, you're doing that because without getting too into the weeds of it, it's easier on the mic backer in his coverage and his run fits. And after we gave up those two big runs, we uh, next se- next defensive series came out in what's called a 404 tight front which is you have both inside or both DNs line up on the inside shoulder of the tackles, plugging up the B-gaps. You have the nose head up on the center, uh, theoretically taking away both A-gaps. Usually you would play him as like a two-gap guy and then have both backers behind him be able to clean up. I think just like watching him play, he was shooting a gap at the snap. So you would have him sh- take away one A-gap. 
another a backer behind them take away the opposite a gap and then you still have a free ba- uh, backer back there is n- to clean up and then you have both outside backers as overhangs with the way they lined up we always had one kind of aligned over the trips and then the other side uh, against that you're kind of giving up more the outside run but to the point of them not adjusting they never tried to hit the outside when we lined up at that yeah i mean for those of you that weren't able to quite follow that in real time <laughs> uh, the idea is that warren did something we we didn't initially expect them to do you know and a lot of teams do that we, we've talked about it in the past mm-hmm. you know every team plays us a little bit differently than they play any other team on their schedule uh the point is our coaches were able to adjust to it fairly quickly and you know for the most part shut down that new aspect of the game that warren had uh or every single week this is something we have to do you know you adjust to something uh, so, I mean, that's great to see on our part. I mean, yeah, Warren, they probably came out expected to just change it up on us and we wouldn't change. You know, that that's probably a downfall for them. Yep. But, you know, we adjusted. They didn't. Uh, but the point is we're able to adjust to different things week in, week out. You know, that's probably not one of the more common defensive fronts that you'll see us run no it's a very common front and like at the college level but at high school you don't see it much yeah so i mean the the fact that we're able to just kind of change our entire you know defensive front defensive scheme based around what the other team is doing you know it's a huge advantage for us it's something we have to do every single week but you know you're going to win games that way because you have to adjust you know no team's going to come play us the same way they played the team before us. Mm-hmm. So we're constantly having to adjust on the fly. And, you know, that's why we have the coaches of the caliber we do. And, you know, that's why we're able to win games, you know, to the average fan just up in in the stands. It's not something you're going to notice. You know, I mean, even us, we're not going to notice that yeah. in real time. Yeah. You know, you go back, you can watch some of the film, and that's when you notice things. You notice the adjustments. But that's something our coaches have to do week in and week out. And, you know, it's just amazing that they're able to do these things on the fly, and it's so effective. And to that point, our first offensive series, we weren't sure. I, I know we talked about it last week that a lot of teams, like like you said, change up what they do against us. We weren't sure what kind of front they were going to come out against us. So our first play was a pass, which is not what you see from us much, if at all. And that was just a, you know, if we get it, we get it. If it's a completion, whatever. But that was to see like what how they would line up against us. So the next play, we come out. We we saw they lined up in the three three stack. So the next play, we come out and we run it on them. The same thing, same play we ran down Glen Oak's throat. And now, granted, they only came out with ten men on the field, so that helps a lot. But we still broke off. Jameer still broke off that big run. Should have been a touchdown, but, you know, down at three, score two plays later. Yeah, I mean, it's just awesome to see what we're able to do. You know, all these things that happen behind the scenes that you'll you'll never know about, you know, unless somebody tells you, unless you, you're able to talk to one of the coaches. You can watch film with somebody that can break it down with you. Uh, but, I mean, our coaches do a lot of things behind the scenes. Everything they do, it's for a reason. Yeah. You know, you're either testing something or you're setting up something. You know, so the entire game, it, it's a it's a battle of mm-hmm. I'm running this play and it might not work. And, you know, all the fans are, oh, why are you running that play? It, it never works. Well, then you come back and you run the counter version of it the next time and it's a touchdown. Yeah. So you're always setting something up or you're playing off of something. So, I mean, nothing's a mistake when it comes to that. You know, you just got to roll with it. You know, eventually it's going to it's going to work. 
So, I mean, our coaches are amazing what they do. You know, Mm -hmm. it's nothing that you're going to understand in real time. It's nothing that we understand in real time. But, you know, the concept of it is our coaches are really smart. They know what they're doing. And, you know, just because of that, we're going to go really far this year just because of the mentality of the kids and the caliber of our coaches. Yeah, and to that point, I mean, they don't really do anything on accident. It's like, this is their job. This is what they're going to be paid to do. They're not going to just like, you know, eh, we'll deal with it when it comes to it kind of thing. It's They're prepared for anything. So, is and this is really only a problem for me personally in the away games. So, it you know, as you up in the fan, you as a fan up in the stands, run the ball! Yeah, they're that's not doing much. I mean, I, I'm definitely guilty of this. You know, you get in the, the heat of the action, and, you know, everybody thinks they're a coach, right? I, I yeah. do it all the time. I still do it. You know, I sit in the stands. You know, I'll mm-hmm. probably complain the whole game, and then I sit on the podcast and tell you not to complain. You know, we all do it, but just let it be known that, you know, the coaches know what they're doing. You know, just let them work it out. You know, it would be different if we were going 3-7 and seven every year. Yeah. You know, but we have a talented coaching staff. We have a talented group of kids. You know, let it all work out. I mean, obviously, it's easy to say right now we're three and zero, but you know, not every game is going to be easy. You no. know, not every game is going to be a blowout. There's going to be close games, and you know, as a fan, you just got to stick it out. You you can't sit there and you know badmouth the coaches, badmouth the kids, whatever it may be. You know, stick it out as the game goes through. You know, we could be down two, three scores. And we're gonna find a way to come back, you know. Just stick it out, you know. We're we're gonna do good this year. It's it's been going great so far. I hope I hope we never have to be down the entire year. You know, we're gonna go 15 weeks, never be down at all. Yeah. But, you know, that that's just not practical. Yeah. So you not... know, we definitely want different situations to practice, and mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the times that's what you're doing. You know, we could be up 30 points, and we're just practicing different scenarios. You never know what we're doing. Yeah. It. it... You want to see the kids face a little adversity, which was nice seeing us being down 7-0 early and how the kids responded. But, you know, they came out and just smacked the other team in the mouth real quick. Uh, it shut them down for, for the most part. I mean, yeah, they put up 21 points. Uh, one came off. I don't want to call it a good call on their part. They ran a halfback screen into our blitz, which is more often than not is going to result in a good play. I... Just seeing how the rest of the game went from their sideline, I'd call that a blind squirrel finding a nut more so than good coaching. Uh, so it it's good to see the kids face a little adversity, come out and respond to it exceptionally well. Yeah, definitely. That's definitely going to help us in the future. Uh, I mean, we got those games out of the way. You know, we've we've done great so far. Mm-hmm. I mean, this week, new opponent, new type of opponent, right? Yeah. You know, what can we expect from this team this week? Well, they're offensively, they're more of a spread team. They actually like to go four wide, uh, five wide a lot, too. It's kind of similar to what St. V's came out with. Uh, they like to, I think uh, Max said, they try and make the game a seven on seven almost. Um, just watching some of their other games, uh, I wasn't as high on the quarterback's arm as the coaches seem to be, but I'm going to default to them because I'm talking to a microphone and they're actually game planning for the uh, for these guys. Um, they'll go a little bit of tight end, wing personnel. Sometimes they, they like to stay in four and five wide. Uh, the quarterback, he's... A heck of an athlete. It, it, when he gets the opportunity to run, he'll try and make a play, and more often than not, he will. Um, their run game, a lot, 
kind of option based. Um, they like to run. Uh, Moore was saying this that like a lot of trap plays influence trap, kind of giving false keys to our linebackers, which I think the only time we really saw that was against uh, Fitch last year, where it's more what you're doing with your line is more to mess with the linebackers reads and you're just kind of hoping they take themselves out of the play it's actually a very good way to mess with a disciplined linebacking core like we seem to have yeah i mean a lot of misdirection you know i I mean i haven't seen any of the film and i i didn't get to go to the booster club meeting the other night but uh i mean it's definitely going to be interesting to see how we handle that. I mean, just in general, uh, against this four-wide, five-wide set, mm-hmm. how do you expect our defense to set up against that? Do you, do you expect us to blitz a lot, or do you think we're going to drop a little bit of both? What do you think? I mean, I expect to see a little bit of both. We've had between um, the Ashland game and the playoffs last year and St. V this year, we've had plenty of exposure to five-wide, just like re-watching the tape, seeing, actually focusing on the coverage and what the guys in the secondary you're doing we have like three four five six different calls audibles to five wide and we can do different stuff against it um i would be less inclined to blitz against them without having a spy back there to is kind of a safety valve to take care if the quarterback does slip free but i think we're going to have enough in our arsenal that we can effectively shut down their five wide yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't seem like that has been a scheme that's worked against us very well lately. I mean, if you go back in the past couple of years when we played Mentor, you know, obviously they had mm-hmm. some sex, uh, success against us. But, uh, I mean, I, I mean, I, I mean, not that any offense has really worked against us so far this year, but, uh, I mean, it seems like our defense is pretty well set up to handle, you know, any type of offense. So... We've handled the spread well. You know, if you go back to, yeah. you know, uh, I mean, even like Glen Oak a little bit, but then you have St. V. Then before that, you had Ashland. And mm. I mean, our coverage has been so well so far this season. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if we did blitz this guy a little bit. You know, I'm a I'm a big fan of blitzing oh, yeah. on, on empty sets, five wides, four wides. I'm going to force them to make quick passes Mm -hmm. you know i'm gonna be aggressive they're gonna make quick passes you know maybe they complete a couple maybe you know you rush a quarterback into making throws he's not ready to make uh so i'm a big fan of blitzing at the same time you know you drop into coverage and maybe you can just get a coverage sack as well i haven't got a chance to see what this quarterback is like i mean you said he's a pretty good runner he's gonna make some plays uh, I mean, I think our defense is also pretty athletic. And yeah. to go with that, we're very disciplined. So as long as you can hold contain on him, you can keep him inside the pocket, you know, don't give him any running lanes, I, I think we have a pretty good recipe for success against him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to your point about holding him inside the pocket, I think with like Hunter Wants and the other guys we have running up the middle, we can get enough pressure up the middle on him while still holding contain if we can't necessarily get you know pressure from the outside he won't have anywhere to step up and we can hold the outside lane so he can't just scramble out around you know um i mean it'll be interesting to see how we handle him because i think he'll be the best the most athletic quarterback we've faced so far and even to your point about how we handle the spread, uh, even in the Winton Woods game last year, they didn't really. They tried to spread us out, but they didn't really have much success with that. It was when they went to that flex bone type option offense is where they kind of burned us at. 
Yeah, I, I mean, like I said, I didn't get to see the film. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm taking your word for it that you know he's not the ma- most amazing passer. Oh, he's, uh, he's pretty good. Pretty good. I mean, he I, was he was throwing probably 30 yards down the field accurately. I mean, I'll take that in a high school quarterback any day. Yeah, definitely. I mean, my my thought process is that if you're gonna go, you know, five wide against us, mm-hmm. you better have you know an elite passer. Who's yeah. going to throw for 400, 500 yards? Because I think that's what it's going to take. Because, you know, inevitably, we're going to get an interception or two. It's going to happen. Oh, yeah. You know, mark it down. If they run four ride, five ride, five wide against us, we will get an interception or two. It's just going to happen. You know, so we're going to put pressure on him. We're going to drop players. Our coverage is very good. So we're going to get a couple picks. You need a quarterback that can sit back and shred a defense. You know, Menner's been able to do it for years. They've always had a pretty good pocket passer. Uh, and I think that's really what it takes to to beat us in a four-wide, five-wide situation just because we're able to handle that so well. Mm-hmm. And to your point about the uh, blitzing, I mean, if, if a team can – if the quarterback can sit back and shred you, then you press their wideouts, press man – and just blitz and get up in their faces, get them off rhythm, and get them running. And if you can't contain them, then you sit back. And I mean, you're gonna go into a game with looks that'll like you can make it look like you're blitzing, and then just drop into coverage. You can make it look like you're sitting back in coverage and bring pressure that way. That's when a team comes out in five wide. A lot of times in high school, you're not prepared for it. You only have one or two checks, but we've seen it enough. We're going to know how to go into a game. We're going to have a lot of different ways to handle it. I don't think they're going to be really it. This is They're coming into a buzzsaw, in my opinion. Yeah, a lot of the times when teams have success with that you know, spread offense, uh, it's because they, they are playing against teams that aren't used to it. They mm-hmm. Usually these teams play very conservative uh, you know, they'll drop back into a zone and, you know, they'll they'll get nickel and dime, nickel and dimed, and then get beat over the top, whatever it may be. It's a lot of route patterns that their defensive backs are not used to seeing. Uh, I mean, I think we, like you said, are very well prepared for it. We've seen this. We're ready for it. We have different looks we can do. You know, we can blitz. We can drop back. We can press. Uh, you know, we can fake bluff blitzes like that. You know, brings backside pressure, whatever it may be. You know, just giving a quarterback different looks. You know, if you're able to get pressure on him once, the rest of the game you can mess with him by showing blitz here, not blitzing, or, you know, showing a deep zone and switching into man, whatever it may be. Uh, and I think we're prepared enough. We, we're used to it. Our defensive backs are good enough that, you know, we're able to mix things up. And that's what really hurts, you know, a high school spread offense. Yeah. And what else hurts it is a good pass rush where you can get pressure on the quarterback without necessarily bringing a blitz, without bringing an extra guy. And to that point, I think we're going to see a lot more of Jameer on defense than we have for most of the year. You know, we bring him in as that OB back, the backside, outside linebacker, switch into a four-man front, and pass rush. When you, when a team goes into five wide, you as a defensive lineman or as a guy up on the line, you can expect... You expect pass, so you just go into that pass rush mode. You don't have to worry about the run. You can just pin your ears back, go, and get the quarterback. So I think Jameer should have a big game against these guys. I know their offensive line 
it's not the smallest we're going to see all year, but it's definitely not the biggest. It's not a Warren type team where uh, the uh, they all come in probably averaging about 260, 270. They might have a guy that's 280, but they're not overly big. And I guarantee they haven't seen a five star backer, four star backer like Jameer is. Yeah, I mean, we're definitely versatile on defense. You know, just uh, like starting up front. You know, with Hunter as our nose tackle, mm-hmm. able, being able to get pressure right up the middle, you know, that that's very disruptive for a quarterback because now you're going to force him one way or the other. And once you get him to force, you know, he starts rolling out one way, you know, hopefully you have a contained player. Yeah. But, you know, last resort, he rolls out to the right. Well, that five wide now just turned into one side of the field. You know, if he rolls out right and makes a great Brett Favre pass to the left sideline, you know, great for him. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll take that one. But, you know, chances are you're going to get him to go one way or another, and, you know, you're going to cut the field in half. At that point, you know, the defense can really lock in uh, and find their receivers. You have contained players that are now rushing right at him. He got out of the pocket. Go get him. You know, we're going to make him run back and forth all game. If that's what they're going to do to us is five wide, you know, we're going to put pressure on him. Even with a natural pass rush, just our defense alignments being so disruptive as they are, we're going to force him to go side to side, cut the field in half, and, you know, hopefully our defense can make some plays. And uh, to if we see that a lot, you know, like to our point about in-game adjustments, I, I know we'll have a call where we can go, we can drop a guy to spy the quarterback, which is... It basically means your job is to sit back and mirror the quarterback's movements. Uh, I know a lot of teams, if they roll out one way or the other, then you go and tackle him. So it's not only do you have that the coverage in the backfield accounted for, but you have the quarterback scramble accounted for as well. Yeah, I think uh, I think at film, all the ones he scrambled in, he went up straight up the middle. Mm-hmm. I think the the pocket closed around him and he just booked it straight down the first hole he saw. Which I don't know if you saw anything different. No, nah, I mean he he made some plays with his feet. Like yeah, he got the uh, he found a rush lane inside to where that the defense didn't have it accounted for. But like you said, with Hunter and the rest of our guys, it will have that accounted for. I mean, an interior pass rush or just bringing pressure up the middle at all with without blitzing is kind of an underrated thing. It's not something you talk much about, but it's like why Aaron Donald got paid, why he's one of the biggest, why he's <clears throat> has one of the biggest contracts in the NFL now, because it's hard to scheme against that. Like if I have a guy like say Jameer coming off the edge, I can always bring in a running back or somebody to help chip him, but you can't really scheme against interior pass rush without taking out one or two other interior guys which opens it up for the rest of the team i mean it's definitely gonna be interesting to see you know how we mix things up you know being able to get pressure up the middle that's awesome you know i think we're gonna experiment with a few other things you know i i'd love to be able to see like a corner blitz mm-hmm. you know i love mixing it up and you know, every now and then you have that press corner in the boundary looks like he's he's jamming the receiver you got a one-on-one backside uh and then you just blitz him right off the edge you know everybody rotates over you know i'd love to see a corner blitz here and there I know that's in our playbook. I've seen it a couple times last year. I can't r- recall off the top of my head if I've seen it this year, but we have it in our arsenal. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely love to see it. it. It's sometimes a riskier play just because you're expecting the whole defense to rotate over at the last second. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why you, you kind of want to do it to the boundary, not only because then the corner is closer to the quarterback, yeah. but also you have less, uh, you know, 
area that your players have to rotate over. You know, it's not as hard for a safety to roll over in the boundary than it is all the way over in the field. Uh, also, a lot of time, you know, the quarterbacks are probably going to try to look towards the field, roll towards the field. So, uh, I mean, I'd love to see stuff like that. Whether it's, you know, corner blitz, whatever it is, I love seeing we, we're going to mix things up. I, I think catching them off guard is is what we're going to try to do. You know, they're they're an experienced team. They've won a lot of games. They've won state championships. You know, they're coming in here. You know, it's a big game for them. It's a big game for us. Uh, I'd love to just try to catch them off guard, mess up their game plan right from the start, you know, and see what we can do to them. Yeah, and to that point, I mean, we are every team's biggest game, in my opinion. I mean, you know, we got the McKinley game, which is always the biggest game around. But every team they see Maslin on their schedule, they're going to get a little more hype than they would normally. They're coming here for a reason. They're going to hear people talking, oh, this Maslin, that's where Paul Brown came from. There's, you know, 800-some wins. I think we're closer to 900 now. 874. 874. Closer to 900. And, you know, we have a big indoor. We have this 20,000-seat stadium. And they're going to come in hyped. And... The best way to combat that is hit him in the mouth early because everybody's got a game plan until you get punched in the face. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like like you said, there's a reason why they're coming to play us. You know, they don't they don't travel here to just play anybody. You know, yeah. you, you come here because we are Maslin. You know, we have a name. We have a target on our back. Everybody wants to come play us. Everybody wants to come visit Paul Brown Tiger Stadium and beat us inside of our own place. You know, so, I mean, at your point, you know, looking at the schedule, I mean, St. V's, you know, they always have a big game with Hoban every year. Yeah. But, I mean, besides that, you know, we have them the opener. That's a huge game for them, Mm -hmm. right? You know, Glen Oak, you know, unless unless they have a must-win for the Federal League Championship game, you know, week eight, week nine, whatever it is, week ten, you know, this is going to be their biggest game of the year. You know, just going down the line, Warren, you know, who are they going to play? That's a bigger game than Maslin at Maslin. Nobody. You know, this New Jersey team coming in, Firestone, Fitch, East St. Louis, they're coming here to play us. Sun Valley, Pennsylvania, they're coming here to play us. Louisville, you know, this is the probably the biggest team they played in yeah, 50 years. It's going to be a top five program history game for them. Yeah, it's huge. It's going to be iconic for them to come play Maslin. When's the last time they got to play, you know, a team of our caliber? You know, it's, it's been forever, if ever, you know. McKinley, yeah. that goes without saying. Every single week, we're getting a team's best. They're coming in more hyped up than they've ever been hyped up before. They're going to go at us with their all early. So the point is you have to be able to take that initial hit, give it back, and let them know that wasn't good enough. And you, you don't just give it back. You give it back harder, and you ask for more. And that's just the way it goes. I mean, that's what we have to do every single week. You know, and sometimes you you think of some of these smaller schools and, you know, there's no way they can beat us, whatever it is. But they come in with a different mindset. It's not just another game. It is the biggest game of their season. You know, the seniors on this team is the biggest game of their career. It's it's a different mindset for them. And that's something our players and coaches have to handle on a week-in, week-out basis. And, you know, just seeing inside a little bit, like even this last uh, uh, sideliner dinner that – more he he can more than handle it he he knows how to talk talk these kids up against and honestly an inferior opponent like say Warren was Glenhoek was that 
I am not. I am no longer worried about us. How our mindset coming in to a lesser opponent, because I, I trust him. He knows how to hype these kids up, and just even hearing about, like hearing about the kids being pissed that they let Warren put twenty one on them, will be fine against these lesser teams. Yeah, definitely. Just one other thing to note about this game uh, might affect them more than us. We'll we'll see. Uh, it is supposed to rain Friday. Yeah, the weather keeps going back and forth. You know, originally it was supposed to rain all day Thursday, all day Friday. Mm-hmm. You know, the hurricane was supposed to hit earlier than it was. Uh, now it's saying the hurricane's going to hit. I think Friday afternoon. But also, you know, supposedly there's some front coming in. You know, through. Uh, you know, from the north, that it's going to yeah. completely block out, so we're not going to get any of the hurricane weather or something. I I don't know. The last I checked, there was a chance of scattered thunderstorms Friday night. Mm-hmm. Not very much. Uh, the way it's looking right now, I I think we might end up drier drier than originally thought. I initially thought it was going to be you know a mud bowl without the mud. Yeah. We're going to line everybody up on the line, and we're going to run it back and forth 1930 style and see who can win. Uh, but now it looks like we might have sun in the sky, and you know we might be able to play regular old football. I, I don't know. I mean, I can tell you how to de- play against a 3-3 stack. I can tell you how to defend a 5 wide. It uh, The weather, ask Bart Johnson about that. <laughs> and even then, you know, wait till you get there. Yeah. Um, I don't think we've touched on their offense or on their defense at all, and how our offense is going to attack them. Um, I think they kind of base out of a four-two-five, which is actually what you can expect to see TCU usually run. You usually sub out the strong side, the Sam linebacker, for kind of a nickel player, a third safety, something like that. My guy more uh, more adept at going out and covering than running, than uh, defending against the run, I should say. Um, we they're the coaches are expecting us to see maybe a 4-4 or even a 6-2 defense uh, uh f- the 4-4 it's you, you know you have four down linemen four linebackers but you keep the two inside backers inside you split out the two outside backers out in the alley outside the tackles very similar to how boardman tried to defend us last year the 6-2 you bring those two outside backers down on the line Either way, you're seeing a cover three in the back end, which is something, I mean, it's easy enough to attack four verts, however you got to do it. But that I trust our coaches know how to do that. Uh, they even expected maybe to see a little bit of cover zero and tell our athletes to, you know, the guys out wide, hey, go make a play, kid, with Aiden taking the snap and Trayvon, Ballard, and Ford out wide. I mean, I'll take our athletes over theirs any day. Yeah, I mean, if this team has done their research against us in the recent past, uh, I mean, you go to the one team that's had success on us in the last year, mm-hmm. and that was Winton Woods. Yeah. You know, in the way they played defense, uh, you know, they were a very athletic team. You know, they just lined up straight across from us, played man-to-man defense, you know, got right up in our face and said, you're going to have to beat me. You know, you know, our your receivers are gonna have to beat their corners man to man in a physical fight to get open, and and it worked. Uh, so I mean, if they're trying to game plan based off of any other team they've seen have success against us, you know, that was the one. You know, that's the one thing that is hard to game plan against when you have an athletic, physical 
defensive back, you know, right mm-hmm. in your face. You don't see it very often. It's not something that you're used to going against. At the same point, our receivers are very physical, very athletic, and our, our coaches are going to know how to move them around. You know, against press coverage, you know, the easiest thing you can do is put somebody in motion because yeah. now there's no more press, yeah. right? You know, you get a defender moving side to side. They can't press you anymore. You know, our coaches are really smart. They know what they're doing. Our receivers are very physical and athletic. Even if it's not something they've seen very much of besides that Winston Woods game, which they're mm-hmm. probably trying to forget about, you know, it's something that I think we will be able to adjust to. Yeah, and, like, when you're doing that, you're saying, if as a defensive coordinator, you're saying, all right, we're going to go press man against these cats. That you're saying our DBs are better than your receivers, and not I, only that, they're better than your your receivers and the quarterback. Yeah. So I mean, it's not just one or the other, you know. So even if you know, even if Trayvon Morgan is able to get a step on your corner every mm-hmm. now and then, the quarterback still has to deliver a perfect throw, and that's why that press coverage man defense can be so devastating in high school because you have to have a perfect you know, release and route by the receiver, you always have to have a perfect throw by the quarterback. You know, that's why, you know, you have to game plan around it. You can't just yeah. go out and run your regular plays against that. But at the same point, you know, with what I'm sure you're about to say, I mean, it's something that we can handle. I mean, you look at Winton Woods last year, yeah. with it, That was a sophomore quarterback. That was his first season as a starter. I mean, lefty, he looked great a lot last year, but I, the Winton Woods game, he showed his age. And that's not just on him. Our pass pro last year, I can say this as a former lineman, our pass pro was trash. That's why we, when we wanted to go more pass happy, we didn't necessarily go four wide a lot. We kept two backs in to help with the pass pro. And the Winton Woods game, you saw them just, we got beat like a drum. And our receivers, they couldn't necessarily get off the press coverage either. I, I know our game plan, I saw like a little bit of motion, uh, bunch sets that usually defeats press coverage. We just, the, we got out-athleted against that. This past game against Warren, you saw, we talked about they were a cover one press team. That's what they like to stay in. I know for most of the game, they did run some man, some press, but they ran zone more often than not. That's them saying, all right, your athletes are better than ours. We'll we'll give that, we'll wave the white flag fr- on the chalkboard, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, and I mean, that's why not every team runs that type of defense. Mm. You know, I just talked about how devastating it can be, how good it can be when it works. On the other hand, if you don't match up well, if, you, if your corner can't, Press and stay with the receiver man to man across the field you know you get burnt you have no help behind you yeah so i mean it's easy to get beat that way if you don't match up well so that's why you saw a team like warren drop back into a zone more than running that press man you know a few different instances you know i just i love referencing this mm-hmm. just because it's something that's that's in my head uh when Peyton manning and the Denver Broncos played Seattle in the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, it was it was Peyton's super high power offense going against Seattle's you know Legion, Legion of Boom, Boom defense, yeah. right? And you know, on paper, it seemed like a great matchup. It, it was going to be awesome. You know, I, I had my my doubts about it, and I mean, they ended up coming true because 
the receivers just weren't used to that type of defense. Mm-hmm. You know, the corners, safeties, they got right up in their face and just shut them down. They had nowhere to go the whole game. You know, and then to bring it full circle, when the Broncos played the Panthers in Super Bowl 50, it was kind of reversed. Now everybody's like Cam Newton in this high-powered offense going against Denver and one of the historically best defenses ever. And, you know, I told everybody it was going to be a blowout. Denver was going to win. Just because, do you remember who the receivers were on that Panther team? Nobody does. They had nobody. Their top receivers were Ted Yen and Philly Brown, <laughs> which worked for the most of the season. Yeah. And then they played a team that got up, pressed them in their face, and completely shut them down. They didn't do anything the whole game. Had a pass rush to Marcus Ware, Von Miller. It works when you have the right personnel. Not every team can go out and run that. You know, I I don't know enough about this New Jersey team we're playing to see what they're going to do. But, I mean, you saw what can happen when a team does it correctly, you know, like Wooden Woods. Mm -hmm. You can see – we didn't really get to see anybody fail with it yet, but we've seen teams not do it because they were afraid to fail. So, I mean, it just comes out and, you know, depends on what they're going to do, what kind of personnel they have what kind of game plan they have. I, you know, you said if they're going to run those type of fronts, they're probably going to do a lot of cover three. They might try manning up against us. But, you know, I think with the quarterback and receivers that we have, it's, it's going to be a tough matchup for, you know, anybody in the state to try to do that again this year. And even them, and this is to anybody else on our schedule, uh, I think I made this point after week one. We haven't ran, like, much on offense. I mean, we've ran some different kind of passing concepts and stuff. We've kind of changed up how we run power a little bit, depending on the front we want to see. But our offense has been pretty vanilla for the most part. Uh, You know, we'll run power inside zone a little bit. I know we ran one play against St. V where we actually pulled the center around and and ran a kind of a trap concept on the inside. But... We haven't shown much. I mean, like we said earlier, way back, we ran Jameer out of the slot in seven-on-sevens. We ran uh, two running back fullback sets against, uh, like, Avon and St. Ed's. We haven't really shown what we can do out of that stuff. I mean, we're not going to be running, you know, one or two plays out of that. I think we ran that, that three-back set against Glen Oak once and it ended up being a jump ball to Trey but we've got a lot of stuff that teams don't know how to prepare for because they don't know what we do out of it we haven't put a lot on film we've shown that we can adjust to a zone heavy or a man heavy team like against Warren instead of running that quick screen so much we were running kind of like a a fade from the slot and a, a slant from the outside guy which is a more of a man beater and so it's it's not like our team doesn't have a lot in its arsenal. It's just we haven't we haven't had a need to show it yet, you know. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's going to play as the season goes on, you know. As of right now, we haven't had to bust into the playbook too far. Uh, you know, and a lot of the stuff it might not be stuff we practice every single day. So, mm-hmm. you know, we have it when we need it. We always have an adjustment for an adjustment for an adjustment. You know, we can go eight different ways yeah. every time. So, you know, as the season go goes on, it's just, you know, more and more that we can throw at different teams. And I think really the only, like, kind of off-the-wall stuff we've put on so far is our, our fake screen wheel, which we ran against St. V. And that's more to kind of keep a team honest against our 
against our screen. Um, you know, it won't work against discipline defense like it didn't against St. V's. It will work against uh, undisciplined defense like it did against Warren, except I, it got called back for a holding play, holding penalty. Um, the other one is, and this is one of my personal favorite plays we have in our playbook, the play-action boot throwback wheel to the running back. I mean, just uh, to Aiden's credit, you don't see anybody like from high school to the pros running a boot-action throwback. Sam Darnold did it, and it was a pick-six. Yeah. But he did it. Which is why you don't see it much. But you run that, like, you show that early because against an undisciplined team like Warren, it's going to be wide open like it was. Against a more disciplined team, they're going to see that on film. And any time we, we want to run that play-action boot, the backside is going to stay there and stay disciplined because they're looking for that wheel route from the running back. So it's a two-fold play. It's not like something you want to keep in there just in case. It's going to keep the defense honest in the future. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it goes back to what we've been saying this whole time that, you know, everything we do is for a reason. You know, just because we show what seems like a trick play early in the year, you know, it's helping us out for the rest of the year because now teams have to respect that. You know, like you said, every time we do X, they have to be prepared for Y. You know, so you're forcing teams to try to defend two different things at once, and that plays right into our hand because we're only going to do one of them. You know, so we're going to take portion of your defense out of the play and, you know, attack what we can attack. If you over, you know, pursuit one side, we go back to the other one. So, you know, we always have those options. And, you know, you could say catching a team off guard, you know, is good for that one big play. You know, you, you do that throwback wheel once, and yeah. it's a touchdown. The rest of the year, you know, you might not catch teams off guard with it anymore, but I bet the power you're running off of it, the actual screen you are running off of it, whatever it may be, is now better because of it, because they have to respect the fake off of it. They have to expect that trick play. Yeah, they have to respect what you can do off of that look. And I think we even got a touchdown off of that early in the game where we ran the uh, we came out in a trips look and we were in the tunnel screen which it went for a touchdown a great call against man cover one so you're probably you've run that once you're probably not going to see much man cover one in the red zone anymore and if you're not going to see that you know you're probably going to see either cover zero which that would pro- that play would work even better or against zone coverages with that look, which makes it easier to know how to attack. Yeah, definitely. You know, you're gonna, you're trying to set yourself up for the future. I mean, that's that's what we're getting at here. Is you know everything we do, we're setting ourselves up to do better in the future. So, mm-hmm. I mean, we've done a really good job of it so far. Our coaches, you know, they're really smart. They know what they're doing. So, I mean, we have a long season of it. You know, just you know, believe in it. Trust yeah. the process. Trust the process. You know, we're week four. We still got 11 to go. Fingers crossed. Uh, and speaking of that, I think we're actually going to make history this season. Jameer is just under 500 y- rushing yards away from the all-time record at Maslin. Uh, what game do you guys think he's going to break it? 
Well, that's a good question. I mean, we were kind of discussing this earlier. You know, we, we had mixed thoughts. I don't think I ever actually said what I thought. You did not. Uh, so let's see. This this is week four, correct? Yep. Uh, so he needs, you know, just under 500. I don't I don't have the exact number. We just I think know. It's slightly over 450. Just over 450. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, credit that to, you know, Maslin Proud. They're the ones yeah. that told us about this. Yeah, Maslin Proud told us and... Uh, Don Englehart of the MassinTigers.com website told us that, so credit to both of them letting us know on that. I, I mean, I, barring injury, which you'd never want to see to anybody, what game do you think is this is going to happen? All right, so this is week four. You said he just needs over 450-ish yards, somewhere between 450 and 500. Yep. Uh, I'm going to say four, four games, four solid games. All so right. that puts you just over a hundred yards a game, yeah. Which I think is doable. You know, we play the New Jersey team this week. Obviously, mm-hmm. after that, it's Firestone and Fitch, which yes. I think we might have you know more success running on. And then we play East St. Louis, which I I don't know a whole lot about them yet. They kind of look good. They you know it, it seems like there'd be a quality opponent. Yeah. Uh, I think averaging you know a hundred and 10, 115 yards a game uh, just because we have you know Firestone and Fitch back to back I think you'll mm-hmm. be able to break off a couple big runs in those games and because of that I think he might be able to get that 115 average yeah. uh, so I'm going to say a full four games so week eight is, that's where, is that what we're working at here? Week seven week seven so pretty much all of week seven I think is, is what it's going to take. Jim what do you got? I think Austin Town Fitch uh, you guys probably think I'm jumping a little too too close to uh, the the beginning of the year, but I don't know. No, I, I definitely think that's doable. You oh, know, yeah. I, I, I'm not saying it's not. You know, I, I just kind of always err on the side of caution. You know, it's kind of bad that caution is 115 <laughs> yards a game, right? Yeah. He's not even our full-time <laughs> running back. But, uh, I mean, it's either way, it's, it's going to be a historic moment. Mm-hmm. You know, I, you know, by time the season ends... You know, he's going to have a lot of accolades, a lot of, let's say, records. I mean, he has to be up there on most snaps played in a Tigers uniform. You know, you got to remember that he he started week four, week five of of his freshman year, and he's he's played every game since then. You know, when was the last time Maslin has had a freshman play varsity football that wasn't a kicker not taking anything away from kickers but you know just going snap count Jameer obviously is on the field more than a kicker yeah so I mean he goes both ways he has started halfway through his freshman year all the way since then you know it's just not something that we have seen in a very long time uh so I mean when it's all said and done I mean we're gonna look back and you know I think we're gonna remember four four three and a half four years of greatness uh, I, I would say um, he breaks that record. Look for it in the East St. Louis game. I'd, I'll take him for about a buck fifty, just under two, this week. Firestone. Uh, if you're a parent of a second stringer, maybe a JV player, uh, look for your kid to get a lot of PT then, which means Jameer's not going to see the field much. Fitch. You know, I they run some weird stuff on defense, which we might need to keep him in a little more, or he'll, he's going to find some tough sledding. I think our 
I think our wideouts that game, as of now, are going to find more success against them. But uh, against East St. Louis, I this is going to be like a close to this week, but maybe athletes turned up a little more. So I think he's going to have a little bit more running room, more success, more game planning for Jameer then. So I got him, you know, breaking the record that game. And that's actually not the only record. He's got... He's up to 38 touchdowns now, I believe. I'm actually fact-checking this in real time. Uh, yeah, 38 career rushing touchdowns, which is... Uh, he's only one behind uh, second place, which is Ashcraft's at 39. The record is 47, held by Bob Glass, which... When was that set? It was it was a long time ago. I mean, Bob Glass has... Uh, he's up in the hallway at the school. I, mm-hmm. I couldn't give you an exact year, but uh, 40s? Just off the top of my head, I can't remember the last time Madison's had a running back named Bob. So well, we weren't there for it. Yeah. I'll put it that way. I, yeah. I think it was like the 40s. If I, if I had to guess one decade, I'm going to say 40s. I would guess it was uh, three yards in the cloud of dust era of football. That I mean, that's only, what, nine rushing touchdowns away from the career record. He's always been our goal line back. I mean, you see, like, the Glen Oak game, Zion breaks off for a big run. We give him an opportunity down near the goal line. He can't get it, so we put Jameer in. He's always going to fall forward, so, of course, he's going to be our goal line back. I don't find it hard for him, even if he averages just, like, one rushing touchdown per game for the rest of the season, which would... Kind of underperformed for him, if we're being honest. Uh, you know, it would put him at, like, what, week... Uh, week 12, I think? Week 12 to break the record. So, if I was a betting man, I would say by week 7, week 8, he breaks that record, too. Yeah, I th- it all depends on how much we use him. You know, we do expect to have a long season. We have a rotation of other running backs that we use. I mean, Jameer is our default guy down by the goal line. You know, he's just such a big, powerful, physical back who's he's always been secure with the football. So, I mean, you can trust him there on the goal line. Which I'm not going to say it out loud, but uh, I think Mazer said it out loud too at, during a meeting at one point because he brought this up at the Booster Club meeting that uh, Jameer – I'm not, uh, not going to say it out loud. No. that's bad juju. Definitely. Jameer doesn't have butterfingers. He's not going to turn it over. So you can trust him down to the goal line, down when we need, you know, two, three yards. Hand it off to 16, and he's got it. Yeah, I mean, that's what he's been, you know, his entire career. And, you know, it's awesome that we can use him that way. We can trust him and rely on him. You know, you need a couple yards, and... You know, here he comes. You know, he plays both ways. He's done it. You know, this is his fourth year of, you know, playing a lot of snaps of football. Mm-hmm. So you don't see him going full time either way. But anytime there's a crucial play on the field, you always see him running out there. He's always on the field, you know, offense or defense, whatever it may be. You know, he's our guy. As he should be. You know, like, you know, you got what? close to three and a half years experience at this point i mean it, you expect that from a kid like him and he's not he's not just some kid that goes out and 
balls out either. He's he's an athlete. He's smart. He's cerebral. You can play. You could. I know. I think we talked about last year. He could play really any box position on the defense. I mean, I wouldn't distrust him at safety either. Like he can play most defensive positions and really most offensive positions too. Like we like we talked about earlier. You seen him in the slot in the preseason. You know, so it's experienced, smart, and mature. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, I mean, he's been there. He's done that. You know, we just talked about it. He's probably played more snaps than any Madison Tiger in 50 years has. Yeah. So, I mean, it's so hard to find that type of player nowadays. You know, so it's just awesome that we have somebody like him out there. You know, so... I mean, it's we can trust him. We can rely on him. We're going to use him on those big plays. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's going to have all of these records and accolades. And, I mean, he deserves them. So it's great. You know, as the year goes on, we'll make sure to mention him as well as anybody else that, you know, has different accolades, records, just things needed to be noted about them. You know, we're going to do our best to bring him out to the public. Or just anything worthy of, you know, like being noted, you know. I mean, like uh, – the Glen Oak game, Trey downfield making a few key blocks, pancaking kids in the secondary. Like, you know, like we want to bring that to the general public's attention. Yeah, a lot of things go unnoticed uh, throughout the season. And, you know, it's not until you see the film, you talk to the coaches, whatever it may be, that you get to hear about some of these things, you know. Mm-hmm. On paper, Trayvon Morgan had no catches, no yards in the Glen Oak game, but, you know, he did a lot of things that, you know, helped us win that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, not just him, but, you know, it's those types of performances that we don't want to go unnoticed. So as we hear about things, as we notice things, you know, we're going to talk about them. We want to make sure that nothing goes unnoticed. Unfortunately, a lot of things are going to go unnoticed. That's just, you know, that's how football goes. That's part of football. You know, uh, you know, I'm, I don't have the statistic for what Jory Maddox's percentage is on pass blocks. I don't have it. That's going unnoticed. Yeah. What I can tell you is that our entire offensive line hasn't given up a sack all year. So, you know, congratulations to all of them. Keep it up. That That's what we want to see. You know, individually, there's not a whole lot that we can say about it yet. As an entire unit, they're doing awesome. You know, sometimes it's the linemen that go unnoticed because they're not in they're not in the paper for how many catches, how many rushing yards they had. You know, but as things come up that go out throughout the year, you know, we're going to bring them to your attention. Yeah, I'm sure we're we've gone, you know, probably way over what we wanted to do time limit wise, right? Without even looking at it. Yep. But uh, you know, that's how it goes. You know, we start talking and we can't stop. You know, I'm sure everybody has something, some kind of topic that. You know they're very enthusiastic about, and you know time gets away from you. Oh but yeah. Since since we're here, you know let's go over, over some of our few housekeeping items. You know a lot of it is going to be stuff we've talked about before, but you know I just want to get it out there. Uh, you know once again the booster bonanza coupons they're in the newspaper every single Friday. Clip them out, bring them to the game, bring them to the booster club meeting, whatever it may be. You know we're trying to win the uh, Booster Bonanza Award for the sixth straight year. It's just, you know, free money in our pocket. 
uh, that gets donated to us if we win. So that's awesome. Clip them out. Tell your neighbors. Tell your family. It's in the independent. It's in the repository. Clip out the Booster Bonanza coupon every Friday. Bring it to the game. Okay? It's not that hard. Uh, it takes three seconds of your day. Also, we're already collecting cans of food for the food drive contest against Canton McKinley. Uh, I think they've won the food drive the last couple of years. So bring in cans of food uh, to the booster club meeting. I, I don't think they're collecting them at the stadium right now. I'm not sure. I don't think uh, yet. Yeah, I don't think so. Also, you can just donate money towards it. One dollar equals seven pounds of food. Yep. So if you don't have cans of food, or if you just think one dollar will go further as seven pounds of food as then, a donation than actually getting a can of food, you know, it, whatever helps, you know. So yeah. donate money, donate cans, whatever it is. We got to try to beat McKinley at the food drive this year. Uh, another thing, uh, a reminder, they are doing a bus to the Louisville game. It's week nine. It's going to be dark out uh, on the way there, especially on the way back. And there is no parking in Louisville whatsoever. Going to be a nightmare. Yeah, it's like 20 or $25 to uh, take the bus. They drop you off at the front gate of the stadium. They pick you up at the front gate of the stadium. Uh, you can get tickets for that, I believe, down at Keller's Office Furniture downtown or contact somebody that's in the booster club. Uh, maybe even check the ticket office. Uh, if there's if something you're interested in, we can definitely find a way for you to get that ticket. So far, they're up to. I, they have one bus full right now. They got the second bus. They're not quite sure if they want to actually go through with that or not. So sooner than later would be better. Yeah, I mean, if if you you're thinking about waiting for it. You know, if there's, you know, 20, 30 more people that want to do it, you know, you might have to let them know now so they can reserve the bus. Uh, no problem there. It's definitely going to be a lot easier than trying to drive over there yourself. Uh, let's see here. Uh, uh, just more in general, uh, get a Booster Club membership. You can go to the Booster Club meetings on Mondays. You can actually, like, see the coaches break down film more so. I know audio is not the best place for, like, an actual XO's breakdown of football. Uh, I know they talked about one thing with our six-man offensive line, which I I really want to talk about now, but I'll bring up next week after this game. Uh, I mean, it just overall, it's... It's good to go to if you like this kind of stuff. Yeah, and, and don't think that it's too in-depth for you. You know, if you're not the kind of person that, you know, fully understands the X's and O's in football, that's not a problem. It's all broken down on film. They explain it in a very, you know, easy-to-understand manner. While you're listening to them talk while watching it, you know, it all just makes sense. So don't think that anything's too advanced for you. You just show up. If nothing else, you can interact with the coaches. You can interact with the booster club. And some of the players are there every week as well, mm -hmm. I believe. So, I mean, it's just a great way to show your support. Uh, at the same time, you can get a booster club membership if you haven't already got one. Uh, it's just another great way to give back uh, to the team, uh, help out with all of the great things that we have going yeah. on. You can get a Booster Club membership at the door there. So all you got to do is walk in with, what, $10? I think a $10 will get you get you a membership this year. Yep. yep. You know, make sure to check out Maslin Proud. You know, obviously your number one, you know, resource for 
for everything Maslin Tigers related. MaslinTigers.com as well. They've got the breakdowns, the drives, stats, everything that you could see. I mean, um, uh, they got old game stories about like what we said last week with the Warren Harding stuff. I'm sure they got uh, resources on all sorts of different things if you want to dive into that kind of stuff. Yeah, definitely. You know, check out MaslinTigers.com. Check out Maslin Proud. Uh, follow them on Twitter, Facebook. Follow Nate Moore on Twitter, Facebook to, you know, get some of the live information from him as well. You know, just in general, a big thanks to Masson Proud, to MassonTigers.com, uh, you know, to the Booster Club, to all the coaches. You know, we're hoping to, you know, get some guest speakers on here in the future. We've talked about it. It's not mm-hmm. just us hoping for something. Yeah. Uh, it's a real possibility that we're going to get some stuff set up. Uh, just in the future, trying to get everything set up, you know, logistically is half the battle. Uh, but, you know, show your support to all of them. We appreciate them for all the work that they've done for us as well. Uh, and, of course, for the team and community. So make sure to thank them. Uh, once again, if you have any feedback for us, if anything you want to hear more of, things you want to hear less of, any general comments, you know, reach out to us and, you know, we'd be more than happy to, you know, try to fulfill those needs for you. That's uh the Black Swarm Podcast on Facebook, at Black Swarm Pod on Twitter, and the Black Swarm Podcast at gmail.com if email is your thing. Yeah, so uh, one last thing. Uh, I, I'm i going to say what it is without saying who it is. You think that's okay, Jim? I think that's fair. Okay, that's so fair. We, we actually just got a text from an inside source. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you could say that he's probably pretty involved in the day-to-day aspects of what's going on with the team i would say he knows what's going on he, he yes. knows what's going on all right so he uh he's one of the people that we're, we're hoping to get on the podcast in the future uh he just sent us a text asking if we wanted any inside information <laughs> about this week uh and what he told us this was the inside information he just gave us the new jersey team is really really good you know, so, I mean, there you go. That's from an inside source. I mean, that actually, like, genuinely, that helps me. Because I've been going back and forth, like, say, you remember Canisius last year. And then it, this is going to be a bit of a reach for some of you guys. Delaware Red Lion, the 2011 season, we played them. They were an out-of-state team. They had a lot of D1 players. A lot that, of D1 lot, players, yeah. That they were supposed to come in, they'd be really good. And we spanked them. I was a junior. I was a bench rider on that team. I got a lot of playing time <laughs> in the second half, if that tells you anything. Yeah, uh, Jim and I were both seniors that year. You know, that Delaware Red Line team, they, they were really hyped up. They were nationally known as a football academy. Yeah, uh, They had to play teams outside of the state because they weren't allowed to play Delaware teams. They got kicked out of... I don't know the exact name, but basically the Delaware High School Athletic Association. Mm-hmm. All right, they got kicked out of that because they're not, they weren't academically eligible players. Not on the sense that they didn't pass their grades, but basically they openly recruited kids to come play football there. They were known as a football academy. Their quarterback, you know, he was borderline famous at the time because. Yeah. USC offered him a scholarship when he was like 11 years old. I actually just saw a thing on Facebook about him the other day. 
uh, it was like a where is he now kind of thing. That's yeah. how that's how borderline famous he was back then. Uh, but yeah, they came in. They had all the hype in the world. On paper, they were amazing. They were huge. They had kids going to Alabama, USC, LSU, Ohio State. You know, all of the big colleges. They it was a football academy. Mm. And for whatever reason, it just didn't work. We we beat them up pretty good. So they were like, they were a team of individual players. And to where, like, say, Canisius was more of a team. You know, they they were really good. They played as a team. And you saw what happened last year. They beat us. I've been going back and forth on the scale of Canisius' the red lion of who they are. And I think uh, our source there, Slobby, just uh, texting us saying that they're actually really good kind of confirms me leaning more towards the Canisius side of things. So this is going to be a good game. I mean, it's not like we're not going to roll this team like we have the first three weeks. Yeah, if nothing else, it's going to be a great test. It's going to show who we are. Uh, I mean, the kids need that, you know. So you don't want every week to be a breeze. And honestly, the way that our region is set up in the playoffs, of course I don't want to lose, but we can afford to go against tougher competition yeah. because you know we could lose a couple games and still have a very good spot in the playoffs i'm not saying that's what i want but you know you have some teams that they'll go nine and one ten and oh and they won't make the playoffs because they didn't play a good enough schedule and even if they do make the playoffs they didn't have any in-season experience to prep them for the playoffs so i mean we're definitely at a point where we can play some of these tougher teams and by time that the season comes around the end of the season you know we're going to be better because of it oh yeah you you want you always want to see some adversity early i mean i'll always go back to it with my senior year 2012 we spanked uh Oh, the Akron team, and then Glen Oak, we got spanked. And, you know, that's just what we want to see. Uh, um, Our phones just keep going off. Yeah, you know? it's, you know, being Big J journalists like ourselves. Yeah, another it, update. It, yeah, it, it's hard. I mean, uh, I think Malone came in Monday, offered like a half the starters. Um, yeah, uh, Devin Jordan... Uh, former Maslin Tiger, former Ohio State Buckeye. Uh, he was on the coaching staff at Ohio State for a little while. Then he came up, coached at Walsh for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he got some Maslin kids when he was at Walsh. Now he's over at Malone, and I think he has a bigger role at Malone than yeah. he did at Walsh. And, I mean, they just came in and heavily, you know, recruited a lot of Maslin Tigers. Uh, heavily recruited is an understatement to just... In, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the whole reason we're bringing this up is because our inside source just gave us some more information. Yeah. Uh, if you want to go uh, ahead and break it. Well, uh, Monday, Dean Clark committed to Kent State. So congrats to him. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's good to see him continue his career, his athletic and academic career. Uh, you, you always want to see that. This isn't just like, you know, this isn't just football. These are kids' futures. But uh, the inside source is that Trayvon Morgan was just offered by Virginia, quote-unquote, like moments ago. So congrats to him. That's his first, like, real big school. 
I mean, what Akron offered him. I mean, he, he's had other D one offers. I I can't just list them off off the top of my head. He's but had, I think I think Virginia is the biggest one yet. Yeah, he's had like looks. I know Ohio State is quote unquote looking at him. Mm-hmm. But uh, to my knowledge, Akron it up until this point was the biggest school that actually offered him. So congrats to him. Let I. Love to see more schools come in and look at him in the future because he, quite honestly, deserves more looks. Yeah, and honestly, when it comes to recruiting, you know, that's how it goes sometimes. Sometimes it, you have to have one school offer you before anybody else will. Yeah. You know, it, it it's insane about how one team, you know, especially when it comes to, like, divisions. So when it's, like, a max school, Akron will offer you the very next day you'll get a letter from kent ball state buffalo toledo you know you might not have even been on their radar but just because akron did it they you know they also start taking notice of you so i mean obviously the more attention you get the more attention you get you know it's exponential so Mm -hmm. i think virginia offering him is another stepping stone for a lot more schools to come in and take notice they'll that'll open a lot more doors say unlike the last regime where you get a letter and it gets <coughs> lost yeah, in the coach's up. office but we're not going to we get into talk that. About that yeah, yeah. so i mean congrats to Trayvon uh congrats to Dean Clark i and just uh what's Montclair the Mounties yes sir sure we can call them that yep they're the Mounties all right uh, um, it'd be more fun if they weren't Hey, well, I mean, that's a Canadian thing, but whatever. Hey. Sorry. Sorry. Go Tigers. Beat the Mounties. Go Tigers. Beat the Mounties.